Hey church, welcome back to the Midweek Podcast, and we are going to be um, doing the same thing, but doing it better as we go forward. We're going to be rebranding this podcast. I know rebrand sounds funny, but we just want to serve you better with your time, and we're just going to be focusing in in about 30-minute segments and just trying to really hit hard on what um, would be most helpful from the sermon and important hot topics from the sermon to serve you better. And so we're just calling it the midweek now and I'm going to be really focusing in. You guys excited about that? I'm very excited. Yes. And and thank you, Dale, for the really helpful feedback that led us in this direction. Yeah, it's good. Yep. And so today we're going to be going deeper into Ross's sermon um, from Luke chapter three. Um, if you haven't heard it yet, go tune in. It is fantastic. It is Ross's longest sermon to date, <laughs> but it was so good. So good. Um, we're you. not going to go into it, so check it out. But what's the main point again? It's that we must repent daily to get more of God. And I also want to add in there a little parenthetical statement and to flee from his wrath. Hmm. There you go. I think the, both of those things are in the text. Well, if that intrigues you, um, it uh, is totally worth your time. But today, we are going to go in deeper into what does it look like uh, when for our daily lives when... The when John the Baptist says uh, that you have to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And he's going to talk about a lot of issues connected to money and possessions. So we're going to be talking about money and possessions today in the Christian. And so I'm here in our makeshift studio with Ross, Pastor Ross and Daniel. And uh, Ross is going to take it away. That's right. So John preaches this direct message, this convicting message. And we know that it was convicting because verse 10 says, and the crowd asked him, what then shall we do? Hmm. That's the question we see later in Luke when people fall under conviction. This is the same phrase we see in the book of Acts when Peter preaches that first sermon at Pentecost and the crowd is cut to the heart and says, what then shall we do? Mm -hmm. This is a sign of repentance. When you're concerned about wanting to do what God wants you to do, and you're asking, seriously asking God, like, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. That, that's repentance. Mm-hmm. Now, what John the Baptist talks about repentance looks like is fruit. That's what we see earlier on in those verses. And I was talking to Michael Patterson after the service, and he made a really good in- insight. Is that when you have a healthy tree bearing healthy fruit, that fruit feeds other people. Mm, that's good. Yeah. So good repentance is going to look like you living in a way that feeds and blesses other people mm-hmm. rather than taking from using, hurting other people. Mm-hmm. That's what unrepentance looks like. Mm-hmm. And Luke, as we work through this text, as we work through this book, has a special emphasis on money and possessions. That's right. That's really one of the things he focuses on. And so when he's talking about what, G, what John the Baptist said to the crowds, repentance looks like, he says, this is what repentance looks like in respect to your money and possessions. Hmm. And a question that I want to pose myself and to you as listeners right now, and this question convicts me, is that if the only thing I was judged on as to whether or not I was a Christian was my bank statement or credit card statement, Mm -hmm. would there be any evidence that I'm a Christian? Hmm. And according to these verses, there needs to be. There needs to be, the way we use our money and possessions needs to be in a way that reflects Christ. Yeah. Now, in verse 11, it starts to get into 
what it looks like when you use your money and possessions in a way that reflects Christ. And he answered them, Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. So he talks about clothes and food, the most basic necessities of life. Mm -hmm. right? If you have these and someone doesn't, give these things to them. It sounds very simple, but it's much more complicated than that. The first layer of complication is that when John the Baptist is speaking this to the people in this crowd, they're all in the same covenant community. Mm -hmm. This is a thought I have. I want, to, I want to develop it more, research it more, perhaps. But when he's talking about sharing these possessions, he's talking about them sharing it with people whom they're in a relationship with. Hmm. Not necessarily just handing these off to strangers they pass on the road. Although certain other verses do kind of sound like that. But, but, the, but in, in this context and in other contexts where it talks about sharing, these these people are in the same covenant community. And, and not just the same covenant community, small communities, <laughs> right? Like, it, especially in this area, I mean, it's, they're mainly villages and towns where people knew everyone for the most part. Sure. Outside of like Jerusalem, you know, Caesarea Philippi. Yes. Yes, that's exactly right. So you would have, if you're coming and asking for food or clothes, yeah. there's no way you're a stranger to me. If, if, if I grew up in this small town with you. Typically, yeah. So that's, that's one difference from, our, from the historical context. Hmm. Another one is this. That they were a very communal society. And so there were people that lacked the basic necessities of life, food and clothing. But no one lacked table fellowship. They were at all had this kind of community. And it's actually the opposite today. Now, what I'm about to say, people might dispute. Can you clarify table fellowship for those who aren't, who that was like, wait, what do you mean by table fellowship? Like, you would have just been welcome to be in people's homes and share meals with them. Yeah. And it would just be normal for you to have sure. intimate friendship interactions with other people. Like, there wouldn't, if you study Middle Eastern cultures, if you study the, the culture the Bible is written in, the, the isolation and the loneliness and individualism that we experience in our city and culture mm -hmm. is quite foreign to this culture. However, though, would, wouldn't you say that there was still segmentation in the sense that they, would, they wouldn't be mixing that much class-wise? Yes, this was not a perfect... Yes, there were right. divisions. Yeah. And there, there was also, there's also things like if you're left or you're outside of the camp. Sure, sure. But, but generally speaking, for a Jewish person who is in the camp, mm -hmm. you, fellowship would would have been a very normal part of your life. Uh -huh. Now, in 21st century Minneapolis, it's the opposite. Yep. Um, as, as, as much as I've interacted with the issue and looked into the issue, as far as I can tell, you could get food and clothes in the city. Mm -hmm. Except in a case of severe mental illness, there is no such thing as poverty where you don't have the most basic necessities to survive in the city. That's right. If, if you're out there and you live in Minneapolis and, and I'm wrong, come talk to me about where I'm wrong on that. But How, yeah, they're, they're listening to this podcast. Yes. And yet they don't have <laughs> yeah. Yes. But, but just the different food banks and clothing banks and housing shelters, like 
there isn't, as far as I can tell, if you access these things, the potential that you will go so long without food, you'll die. Right? And, and, and I just want to speak up for Ross real quick. For If any of you guys are listening, um, we don't know him well. Um, Ross is not a guy who's just like reading these stats on some, you know, Minneapolis.gov. He, he's regularly in the lives of the poorest of the poor of our city mm-hmm. and spending time with them. So this is, and we have as pastors spent gobs of hours on the streets with people. And so this is firsthand as well as trying to get a 30,000 foot view. That's right. Yeah. That's, That's right. Good. Thank yeah. you for saying that. But at the same time, what's abnormal now is to have a close intimate community. Yep. So people are suffocating in loneliness and disconnection and lack of welcome into a community. So so I think those things bear on how this is. So, so the first application I want to say is that I wouldn't say don't give money to people. That, that's not my point right now, but I don't think that's the implication of this text, mm-hmm. that you're just supposed to hand money to strangers. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's what the Christian life we're being called to do in these verses. Mm-hmm. Now, the first thing I would say, though, is that before we get in more, more into caring for the poor, I want to talk more about that, is that I do really want to challenge people to have a generous attitude with money and to start with the church. Start with the church. And I know that that can sell, sound self-serving for me to say that right now. Start, start by giving to the church because we're, we're the pastors who work for the church. And the reason I want to say that isn't on my own authority. We see this in Acts 4.35, this pattern being laid out. And, they, and each laid what they had at the apostles' feet. And so, so God says, the first place you want to be generous is with the church. Mm-hmm. Second place we want to be generous is with one another. When we do our offering, we say don't give it all to the church. Yep. Save a certain percentage of your paycheck or, or your offering in order to be generous with one another. Mm-hmm. So we, we see this kind of generous giving within the covenant community. And that's what I want to see among us. There are people in financial need in our community. And we need to be wise about how we do it and who we give it to. And But I want to see us grow in that, grow in finding people to give to, grow in generosity. And personally, what I want to grow in is, is giving more to the church and giving more to other people in our community. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I'm doing enough of that. I think I save a lot for myself, a lot for retirement, mm-hmm. and... And I think I could grow in giving more. So I want, I want to first apply this not to those outside of the church family, but within the church family. I want us to be generous with our resources within the church family. But getting back to, to care for the poor. Two books that have been so helpful for me on this topic are One Helping Hurts. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen. Good one. And the gospel comes with the house key by Rosario Butterfield. Mm. A quick quote from When Helping Hurts. The point is that for his own glory, God has chosen to reveal his kingdom in the place where the world, for all of its pride, would least expect it. Among the foolish, the weak, the lowly, and the despised. I think we need to have an attitude where we are eager for the poor 
the week Bill Lowley to be with us. I'll be honest, you can see a certain kind of people, person come around you and you can become weary or suspicious and they can smell that. Mm-hmm. When we see these people in our church, in our community, when we meet with them, let us have an open heart towards them. Now, well, when, let's just be clear. Let's Christianize that mm-hmm. as Christ has been to us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Because we stink. We do. We stink of sin and crap attitudes, and yet Jesus moved near. And, and that's what makes us different from just a general, like, liberal social justice kind of, we need to be kind to others, mm-hmm. because that makes the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Because God has been kind to us. Yes. And moved near. So let's just make sure that is, you know, the, the foundation of why we care. Right? That's right. That's right. And yeah, it's so good. And and so now I want to think how do how do we engage then with with the poor? And and I just want to bring up an example today. So I just had lunch today with a, a gentleman, and I would even call I would call my friend. We we've, we've talked a few times. He's my friend, and and he doesn't have a job. He's looking for a job, and and he has a spiritual hunger. He has physical hunger. He has both kinds of hunger. He, he needs he needs provision. He needs a job and. And he needs a church family. He needs the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so we went out to talk. And one of the things he asked me for was money. And I explained to him how we have in the past given money to those who needed money. And in every situation we've done it, it's harmed the relationship. And so I explained to him, and that's just not something that we do because it's harmed the people that we love. There's something about that paternalistic relationship where you just start giving away cash or whatever, where it, it demeans, seems to demean the person and somehow creates some sort of resentment or distance between you and them. Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to avoid that with that person because my goal is for him to come and be a part of our family, not just for him to get his rent paid as badly as I want him to get his rent paid. Mm-hmm. So I explained to him, man, we that's not what we're going to do, but... I want you to come and be part of our family. I want you to come read the Bible with us, see Jesus with us. I want our community to disciple you. And part of that discipling will include good inter- helping you become better at interviewing, mm-hmm. helping you become better at job searching, mm-hmm. helping you give you tips and leads to find jobs. But just all of that happening within the context of the family yeah. so that you're not using the f- us and we're not using you, but you're becoming a part of us. Mm-hmm. And so that's the alternative, is we want to share ourselves with you. We want to share our whole selves with you, and we want you to share yourself with us. When Helping Hurts goes into this is that the whole person, right, the whole person mm-hmm. needs help, is broken. It's yep. not like they're fine and they just don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. Their relationship with their self is broken. Their relationship with God is broken. Their relationship with money is broken. Yeah, And others. And others is broken. Yep. And we're trying to put that whole person back together. We're trying to restore that whole person. That's what the gospel is doing. That's what Jesus is doing. You're not offering less. You're offering offering him everything. Amen. Yeah, and 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 that includes sometimes mm-hmm. finances for for members of our community. Yep. That's that was just what you were saying in the beginning here. Like the needs of our people. We have a helping hand fund where mm-hmm. when there's when there's serious financial need, that's something that we as as elders look at and say mm-hmm. maybe this is this is a place where we can uh, we can serve. 
And that's part of the reason I think that the, the people brought the, their funds to the apostles' feet so that they could wisely judge yep. who are true widows, where yep. where's their right. true need. Yep. You know, people were they were they were carefully discerning uh, as heads of the community how to how to serve best without hurting people. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not to say that we would never give money. We do as a church do that. But but when you I love what you're saying, if you establish a relationship there first, it's it's really gonna damage the the relationship it 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 cheapens it it makes it only kind of a monetary uh it's built on monetary things rather than on this this fuller picture which what you're doing right now is really trying to figure out like are you good soil in one sense Hmm. right like we had that conversation we were just talking about before we recorded that one gentleman came in quoting scripture saying he wants to be a pastor one day wants to grow wants to help him and his wife and we're like, he's like, hey, but can I have like $20 to help fix something in my car? And we're like, we can give you $20 right now, or we can give you a family, mm-hmm. you know? And you you and Theo, I think Russ, you and Theo went over pizza at his house and tried yeah. to care and connect with them. And ultimately, they didn't want... They he wanted, wanted $20. He wanted $20. And right there, it shows you, is this a person that needs to go through more brokenness and more rock bottoms, or are they ready and ripe to grow? Because we really want to help those who really want help. Yes. Not those who are just utilizing the system, because there's always, and forgive me using this word, there's there's always going to be another sucker. Mm-hmm. I've been on the streets enough; they they smell suckers. They do. Who are just guilty and feel like they just need to give away. Get, they they know the people who are just going to give because they feel guilty. Yeah. And feel bad for them, mm-hmm. and and we 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 want to give them more, which is more costly ultimately. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. If you're trying to help someone and their problem is relational brokenness, I think it just go. It makes sense that you need a relationship with them in order to help their relationships heal. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can't just do it with a thing. You have to do it with your whole heart, your whole self. You're not addressing the root, just the fruits. That's just right. the bad fruit. That's good. That's yep. good. Just something that just stuck out to me from the verse is there was actually money back then, like copper mm-hmm. coins. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Jesus doesn't even say, whoever has two denarii, share with him who has none. Mm-hmm. He says two tunics and food. And this gets into my next point, is that it seems what Jesus might have in mind is hospitality. Hmm. And that's the, the point that the, both the gospel comes with the house key makes, is that we're called to radical hospitality. And I think generosity that reflects and shows the kingdom of God yeah. is much more powerfully portrayed when you're hospitable with your home, yeah. rather than just giving things to people. Hmm. I want to read just a quick quote from Rosaria Butterfield defining what radically ordinary hospitality is. Hmm. Radically ordinary hospitality is this, using your Christian home in a daily way that seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. Mm. That's sweet. I I would encourage you even more than heightening your charitable giving, giving the charitable giving budget to increase your grocery budget. Hmm. And open up the table to table fellowship with people. Mm. This is something that people are craving for. This is something that addresses the whole person, body, soul, mm. not just body. And and really is a way that we can missionally engage our city and encourage one another and display the kingdom of God. I think... Um, that that this is countercultural 
as, as our society individualizes and segments and divides, what will we, Christians be marked for? Man, their, their homes are open. Their tables are open. This is a place where we're welcome. And she talks about in this book how after enough time of doing hospitality passed, everyone in the neighborhood knew that they were the family to go to when they needed help. Like people just be, start to become aware of this. Yep. Yep. I'm, ha- I'm struggling with this as a single person yep. because I don't get the respect for my neighbors that a married couple would, mm-hmm. you know, like they, I, I'm kind of look like a, a college, college dorm room where, where, where yeah. we live, you know, so there's not many people coming to me for help. Yeah. Um, but especially you guys with families, Yeah. but singles, she talks a lot about singles too and about how you can come alongside families and yeah. serve them yeah. and how you're indispensable to this kind of hospitality too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that I think the choice in Simmons, you guys both do a great job at this, opening up your dinner tables to people. Thanks, brother. Not enough, man. I'm convicted right now just hearing this, how we need to open up to our neighbors. And we don't have an excuse anymore. We, we had an excuse in the beginning because we moved in and we were just slammed with all the stuff going on with uh, the house. Everything's breaking left and right. Sure. And then certain people that we were caring for who were going through some trauma. But that's over now. For the most part, so yeah, yeah, and we certainly have work to do. Yeah, well. yeah, and I think a good place to start is with one another. Mm-hmm. We don't want to end with one another. We don't just want to be a place that hosts one another over to dinner. Nope. But if you're like, I suck at this, or I don't know what I'm doing, or mm-hmm. yeah. just, just start, start, start with people. You got people in your MC and DNA, right. and just just start practicing showing hospitality. So maybe maybe if if you're not used to it, a game plan would be start with people. So this is for the person who never has people over. Mm-hmm. Start with someone that you're comfortable with that you know. Mm-hmm. Then take a step and invite someone within the church that you're not comfortable with, mm-hmm. but they're they're in Christ. And then take the step to someone who's not in Christ, you don't know, neighbor maybe. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because that's true hospitality. It's always it's primarily in the context of people who are foreigners, mm-hmm. not, oh, you're so hospitable. You invite all the people who you like and who like you and who are going to repay you back, right? Isn't Jesus say that even later on in Luke? That's I don't know right. If you're going to get there. 14, yeah. Yeah. Hey, don't, don't, when you make a banquet, don't invite all the people who are going to just invite you back. Invite those who can't repay you. Yes. And, and I know we've had a big, in la- not as much lately, but in the last few months, we've had a big push on make sure you're sharing the gospel explicitly with people. And we've had, a, I've heard a lot of people say, but Ross, I just really, I don't want to just preach at people. I just want to get to know them. Mm. This is a way to do that. If you, if you really want to thrive in more relational evangelism, have, have a house that's open to relationship. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, any more, any comments from you brothers on the, on those verses before we move on to the last two? I guess, um, how would you speak to somebody that, like me, who, who I know that I, um, I interact with neighbors and can certainly invite neighbors over, um, but, but I wouldn't say that the, the average neighbor I have is, is poor. Um, there, there are some, I've had some interactions and we've invited them over for dinner, uh, but there, I, I'd say that most of the time in this city, I'm engaging with people on the streets who you know, they're, they're waving a sign or they're, you know, meeting them and they're, they're saying, hey, can you help me out? You know, I need, I need food or, or I'm homeless. Um, I, how do you, what, what, what do you do there? Like, it seems like sometimes all they really want is is some food and you might invite them over. I, I don't know. It just seems like the, the opportunities for, for inviting someone in your home and for it to actually happen, mm-hmm. the, the type of people that I'm running to are not the people that actually want to sit down in, in a home with me. 
So then how do I help practically those who I might be most often interacting with who would seem to fit the, fit the uh, example here where they actually have need? Sure, but they don't want to come over, you're saying? Yeah, maybe maybe they they wouldn't want to come over, and and you just you don't you want to try to help them. I, I don't yeah. know. I'm just so my standard procedure when someone asks me for money on the street is to say I don't give out money, but you're welcome to come to my house for dinner, hmm. and no one's come yet. Yeah, and I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 if someone if someone is asking me for things and they're not willing to enter into a relationship with me there's nothing you can do to force them to do that yeah and i i do think there's a there's a point at which your responsibility stops okay. if you don't i think if you don't give someone an open door to connect with you at the next level i think maybe you sin against them mm-hmm. if they ask you for help and you don't give them you just say no and you say sorry okay but if you don't leave an open door for them say hey i can't give you anything but i will keep connecting with you and i will do what i can to help you mm-hmm. yeah. um but i think as sooner sooner or later there, there is responsibility on the person to take initiative to re- reciprocate. Um, yeah, that's that's a good question though, and and you also asked about neighbors. Um, no, I don't. I don't know if I have another question. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's good. And just just now the the last few verses, I just just a few more comments really quickly. And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, what are we to do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation and be content with your wages. Now, I didn't know exactly what to do with these verses as much. I think they apply more towards people with power. Because here we got tax collectors and soldiers, people who are in positions of power. Authority. Yeah. Authority. Mm-hmm. So I would just... Just say anyone who's an employer or a landlord and has positions of authority and people just be careful and think through how you treat them. And I would love, we would love to hear if anyone's listening to this, you're a landlord, you're a boss and in these verses, you can think of some application for these verses. We'd love to hear it because no super immediate ones are coming up to me except for like respect employment law and pay fair wages and don't don't cheat your employees on their time cards and don't manipulate your tenants. I mean, I, I just think for, for every parent out there, there's authority there. Mm-hmm. And you could you can extort your kids, you can you can abuse the power that you've been given mm-hmm. and trust it. Uh, us pastors, this is very applicable for us. In an indirect more it's more indirectly applicable for us. It's just making sure everybody has some influence and some authority and some power at some level. Sure. And is making sure that you are above board in the way you handle it. Yeah. Just as God is with you. That's good. It seems like there's two categories in this, this text. Like there's a, the first part that we discussed is do, do good, do, do what you ought to do. It's, and then the second is, uh, don't do what you shouldn't do. Don't do what you shouldn't do. Exactly. There's, Mm -hmm. there's like a, Mm-hmm. Sharing is maybe kind of the, the, the key positive. verb, and then do not. <laughs> right. And so I'd say the second one is That's good. it would apply more broadly, I think, to, to even just like paying your taxes. And um, I, you could go into any number of, of things, but the New Testament is full of, uh, you know, the command, commands of Scripture just calling us to live righteously, mm-hmm. um, calling us to do what God want, calls us to do, to, to live uh, uprightly in the land. 
That's right. Uh, so I think the the oh, I know in keeping with your you know money and, and possessions thing, um, we're called to be just in that way. But I think fruits of repentance is so, so much more broad than than these couple descriptions that that John the Baptist has given. That's right. Yeah, and so much more could be said about these verses. And I have more I could say right now, but in the interest of keeping with our mission statement for the midweek, I think we should call it, guys. There you go. It's been a good conversation. This is definitely not the end-all, be-all for how to care for the poor. It's an ongoing conversation learning. We're learning constantly as we meet more and more people, and we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us on how to care for them and and let the gospel come to bear on um, their, in every aspect of their life. That's right. So, yeah. And we're eager for questions and comments, guys, on sermons, podcasts, whatever. We'd love to interact with you guys. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in.